Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Come with me to Luke chapter 5. We'll start in verse 27. May help to find this piece of paper. Go all in for the king and his kingdom. Heard a funny story about this sweet lady. She was a Christian named Doris. And Doris was having some big health problems. She had a brain surgery schedule. She went before the Lord and she said, Lord, if this is it, if I'm going to die, if you're calling me to heaven, I'm ready, but just let me know. And God spoke to her. God said, Doris, I'm going to give you 40 more years. All will be well. Well, she had the surgery, and sure enough, it turned out great. And she thought, I've got 40 more years. I'm going to do one of those extreme makeovers like I saw on television. <laughs> so she had uh, her face lifted. She had a tummy tuck. She had liposuction. I mean, if you could do it, she did it. So about 30 days passed. She comes out of the hospital. She's crossing over to the parking deck. She gets hit by a car and killed. So she shows up in heaven. She sees the Lord. She said, Lord, I thought you said I had 40 more years. God looks at her and says, Doris, is that you? <laughs> I, I didn't recognize you. Now, of course, that's a crazy story, but it has a point. Now, God not only recognizes you, He knows everything there is to know about us. It says in Psalm 139 that He knows when we rise up, when we lie down, He knows the secret thoughts of your heart. He knows everything about you. And the Bible says He not only knows it, He loves you. But let me ask you a question. Fill in this blank. How do you think God sees you? How do you think God sees you? I talk to a lot of people, and they believe that God looks at them through a negative lens that magnifies their mistakes, magnifies their faults, magnifies their shortcomings, sees you in, as condemned, worthless, a reject, a loser. You see, that's how you'll see yourself if that's how you think God sees you. But may I suggest to you that God does not look at you through a negative lens, but He looks at you through a lens of love, a lens of possibility, a lens of victory. Because, friends, here's the great truth. For God so loved the world, He so loved you. You are precious in His sight. And God wants you, He calls you to be everything that He has designed for you to be. As a matter of fact, God sees you like Jesus saw a man named Levi. Jesus knew everything about Levi. He knew his compromise. He knew his immorality, his shortcomings, his failures, his disloyalty. And yet he called Levi to be first string on his team. Uh, so let's go over here, leap into Luke chapter 5, and learn lessons about Levi. Uh, let's begin in verse 27, because these lessons apply to our life. And after Jesus went out, he noticed a tax gatherer named Levi 
sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. Levi left everything behind, and he rose up, and he began to follow Jesus. Levi gave a big reception, like a party for Jesus in his house. Uh, there was a great crowd of tax gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. Verse 30, but the scribes and the Pharisees, they began grumbling to his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax gatherers and the sinners? Jesus answered and he said unto them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call righteous men, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray for a moment. Father, would you help us right now to set aside any distraction and focus fully upon your presence and your living word? Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way so that your spirit would sweep through this place and deposit your transforming truth into every receptive heart. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me give you some background information. Some of you are biblical scholars. Some of you are getting there. But Levi and Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, are the same. This is the tax collector who lived outside of Capernaum. He probably had a tax booth located between the city of Capernaum and Nazareth, and he gathered taxes. Now, he was Jewish, and if you were a tax collector in that day, you were considered a political traitor. You had turned your back on Israel, and you had become allied with the Rome. He was in the IRS, you might say, and that's in Rome's service. So the Jews hated him. As a matter of fact, here's how he made his money. The tax collector would collect money, and then you would give it to the governor of the region. That was Herod Antipas. He was the Roman ruler. Then he would take a cut for himself and then send it on to Rome. That's how the tax system works. Well, here is how Matthew operated, or Levi. He would have a prescribed amount of toll, tribute, or tax that he could levy on a person. He got to determine it. And it was generally double the amount that he had to come up with. So essentially, to be a tax collector was to have a license to steal. Anything that he got over and above the basic tax went straight into his pocket. So the Jews hated him. And he had Roman soldiers that could enforce whatever he said. So he was essentially untouchable. So that made him an untouchable person socially. Uh, if you were a tax collector, you were considered to be like a swine or a pig. You were banned from the synagogue. Now, notice something else here. His name is what? Levi, meaning he was from the tribe of the Levites, and that would be the priestly order. When God made this young man, he was designed to be a spiritual leader, not a political traitor. So, you can certainly assume that his family was mortified by his chosen profession. You can be certain that they were ashamed of him. They were disappointed in him. He had been written off as a reject and a loser. And then a moment happens that changes everything. Jesus shows up. Evidently, Jesus comes walking by his toll booth, his tax booth, and he looks at this man, Levi, this man who sold out, compromised, this man 
who is disloyal to his family, to his faith, to his country. And he says, Levi, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And you know what he did? With a bold move of faith, he gets up, he turns his back on all that he has, and he follows Jesus. The only thing he took with him was his pen because he wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Wow. I want you to know that every decision creates your destiny. And today, you may make a decision that can change your destiny on earth and for eternity. As you learn with me these four lessons from Levi. Let's go to number one. Make this note. Make Jesus your centerpiece. That's what we see here. Levi left everything, and he took this bold step of faith because he made Jesus his everything. He went all in. He didn't go halfway. Now, you see, Jesus deserves more, friend, than your leftovers or your halfway. Matter of fact, I see a lot of people who keep one foot in the world and then one foot in the things of God. It's kind of like they're straddling a fence. They're not all in. They're just halfway across the road. You see, the only thing I've ever seen in the middle of the road would be yellow stripes and dead possums. <laughs> I don't think you want to be in that category as halfway in. Jesus says, I want you all in. And Levi left everything, and he followed Jesus. Let, let me give you an analogy that we see constantly in nature. Uh, when the Lord created the world, he created the solar system. And in the middle of the solar system, there is a big sun. As a matter of fact, the matter of the sun is 93% of the matter of our solar system. And then it's surrounded by the planets. Now, the planets are interesting. The planets, for instance, uh, Jupiter is 300 times larger than Earth. But then the sun is a thousand times larger than Jupiter. And, and the gravitational pull of the sun puts all of the planets in right orbit and right order. But can you imagine? Let's say Jupiter, or let's make this Mars, says, you know, it's my turn to be sun for the day. I want to be king for a season. And all of a sudden, Mars gets the rest of the world, the solar system circling around it. What would happen? Everything would go out of kilter. It would go into chaos. Now, let me uh, create that as an analogy for our, our journeys. Let's imagine that the real sun is the Son of God. And the real design is for your life to revolve in order and in orbit around Jesus the Son. He is your centerpiece. But if you get things out of kilter, and let's make this Mars again, and let's say Mars represents your money, your possessions, all your material goods. And let's say you demand that Jesus the Son circle around you. Do you know what that's going to do? You're going to be out of whack. You're going to be out of kilter. You will be out of balance. As a matter of fact, some of you have lives that are dysfunctional and defective. They're hurting because you've gotten out of balance. You've made yourself the center of your solar system. And like Dr. Phil says, how's it working for you? Not too good. You see, that's why it says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Get it in order. Get the orbits right. 
make Jesus, the Son of God, your centerpiece. And frankly, that happens when you choose to do what Levi did. He went all in. He left all, and he went all in. You know, all in is an interesting term. It's a poker term. And uh, in the world of poker, if you think you've got the win in hand, and you're looking at a full house or four diamonds or four kings, you think you've got this thing, you're in it to win it, you push it all in, don't you? And that's what the Lord Jesus says, bet everything on me. Bet the farm on me. Bet your life on me. Bet your forever on me. That's an all-in invitation. I believe it was Gene Chizik. Do you all remember Gene Chizik by chance? It was in 2010 that Gene Chizik, at an impromptu pep rally before the Clemson game, the first game of the season, stands before the Auburn faithful, and he says, the theme for this year is what? All in. And they went all in, and I think they beat not only Clemson, but every other team, even a team from Oregon. Can you imagine those poor, hapless ducks? Okay, well, anyway, that's what happens when you're all in. Now, friend, if you want to move from loser's lane to winner's circle, go all in. Like Levi, go all in for Jesus. So let's go to number two. We also see that he invites Jesus into his home. So the point is you ought to invite Jesus into your home. The first thing Jesus did was he didn't leave Jesus at church. He said, Jesus, would you come over to my house? He threw a big party for him, and he made Jesus the honored guest. And I like that. I like that picture of a party because I've always had this basic premise that knowing Jesus is not a burden to bear. It is a party to share. It's not a funeral. It's a feast. It's not a bummer. It is a ultimate blessing when you know Jesus. And so here is what Levi understood. He did not segregate the Savior to a Sunday. He did not leave Jesus at church. He invited him into his home. And that's the point. Jesus wants you to not segregate your life. He wants you to integrate your life. Look at your worksheet in Colossians 3, verse 17. The Scripture says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all unto the Lord. Let's add to all in, all access. In every feature of your life, you're all in and you have all access. I had a friend that gave his life to Jesus. And we were talking. Do you know what he did? He took his keys and he put them at the foot of this cross. And he said, I want this to symbolize that Jesus is not locked out of anything in my life. He's not locked out of my living room or my bedroom or my workroom. He's not locked out of my computer or my smartphone. Jesus has access to everything. Have you made that wise decision to give Jesus all access so that your motto is this simple, whatever I do, in word or in deed, I do it as unto the Lord. The next lesson, number three, is introduce Jesus to your family and your friends. Introduce Jesus to your family and to your friends. I love this part. You see, the purpose of Matthew's big house party, it was essentially of Lord's Supper for sinners, was to introduce his family and his friends to Jesus. He was all in, there was all access, and he wants all of his associates to come to know Jesus. Jesus is now the center of his life. So he hosts this big dinner. 
It reminds me of what happens when Andrew met Peter. It's recorded in John 1 on your worksheet in verse 40. What did Andrew do? He went to go uh, and tell Peter, his best friend, about his new centerpiece, Jesus. There should be nothing more natural than sharing Jesus with family and friends. You see, what did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He said, go and be my witness. Start at home in your neighborhoods. Start in your Jerusalem, but go to the nations. Now, who is your nearest neighbor? Could I suggest it's your family? Family, that's where you should start. You should start with your family. As a matter of fact, let me take it one step further. If God has blessed you with children, start with your child. Mary Ruth and I have been blessed with four kids, and I'm telling you, our main goal was not to leave something to our children, but to leave something in our children, and that is faith in Jesus. All this stuff is quickly going to evaporate. It won't last, but Jesus lasts forever. So that's the greatest gift you can give your children is Jesus. So be sure that you leave your kids Jesus so that when they see you, and by your attitudes, by your actions, by your relationships, by your reactions, they see an authentic picture of Jesus. And it's contagious. So, so that's what we see here. We see a picture of a person who wanted to get their family connected to Jesus. I really commend what Spurgeon said. He said, by, a by the time a child reaches the age of seven, teach them well the way to heaven. That's a pretty good saying. I had that experience the other day. I've had it hundreds of times when a family called me. It was Justin and Alexis Day, and they said, our little boy, Ellis, is seven, and he's given his life to Jesus. Would you come check it? Like I was going to check their homework. So I went over to their house, which is not near, it's kind of near my house, not very far away, and Justin, he pulled out his phone and he just like, you know, parents are, you get a little Instagram moment. And there is me going over the ABCs of evangelism with seven-year-old Ellis. What did Ellis do last Sunday? Because his parents had shared with him for his lifetime, he walked down that aisle and he stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. How beautiful, how natural. So it begs the question, have you led members of your family to Christ? Then you move from there to your friends, to your friends. Uh, you saw something in the baptistry that happened last week. The Hills, um, Eric and Whitney Hill have a restaurant, and it's a very good restaurant, I might add, over near uh, Huntington College. And they hired a young man to work in their kitchen named Chris Tolliver. And uh, they got close to Chris, invited him to come to church last Sunday. Chris was taken in by the message, God's Word is a magnet. Chris heard that invitation where Peter invited Jesus into his boat, and he said, that's what I need. Pastor Jay, that's what I need. I need Jesus in my boat. So we went over to see Chris, and he opened his life to the Lord Jesus, just read in this little book. Wasn't very complicated. Said, Chris, would you like Jesus in your life? He said, sign me up. I desperately need Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be in heaven. I want my life to change. And he prayed to receive Christ. And what did you see at the service? You saw him baptized, expressing his faith in the Lord. Friends, that's how it works. Friends bring other friends to Jesus. Friends bring family members to Jesus. And so that is what the Lord wants you to do. There's a man by the name of George Barna. He does surveys. And on countless occasions, I've read that Barna has discovered in surveying 
thousands and thousands of people who don't go to church, that 80% would come if they were simply invited. That's all you have to do is to say to the Chris Tollivers in your life, would you come with me? Would you come over and have a meal at my house so I can share Jesus? Would you come with me to church? So I want to urge you to take advantage of our natural wiring and invite people like Levi did to Jesus. And then lastly, here's what I want you to see. Make Jesus your spiritual doctor. Make Jesus your spiritual doctor. It's interesting, uh, as they were having this party, there were some party poopers. (laughs) And the party poopers were the scribes and the Pharisees. If there were 500 of them, you could call them the S&P 500. But uh, these scribes and Pharisees, they had the most negative, judgmental, condemning attitude you can imagine. They saw Jesus ministering to wounded people. They heard the music. They smelled the food, and they rejected it because they were angry with Jesus caring about people like Matthew because they were judgmental. They were critical. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you have any of that in you? Let me give you the Pharisee test. It's really simple. How do you react to people who have a wrecked life? If you see somebody who's messed up, do you kind of secretly rejoice? Oh, goody, goody, their life is destroyed and I'm better than them. I'm superior. How do you react to seeing a wrecked life? Well, I would ask that you examine your heart. Do you have acceptance for that person or accusation? Do you have compassion for that person or condemnation? Do you have sympathy for that person? Or do you have a sense of rejection for that person? Do you want to bring them in or push them away and out? You see, when you see people with the lens of love, a Jesus lens, then you treat people as Jesus treated them, and you bring them in. That's one of the things I love about this church. This church is kind of like a ministry laboratory downtown. I mean, where are we located? Between the courthouse and the jailhouse. And if you go to God's house, maybe you can miss the courthouse and the jailhouse. I mean, that's how it works. But, but if you come to God's house, you know what you'll find here? You will not find a showcase for saints. You will find a clinic for sinners. And everybody is welcomed here. This is a family of love and inclusion. I mean, we got all kind of people here. We've got people with a lot of education and no education. We've got the highbrow, the lowbrow, the unibrow, the nobrow. I mean, we got it all the brows. You just name it, we got it covered. Because this is a place of love and inclusion, and everybody is welcomed here. Now, the great thing about the criticism of the scribes and the Pharisees is it prompted Jesus to compare himself to a doctor. Did you catch what he said? You see, the physician goes to the sick. And the greatest sickness we have, friends, is not cancer or heart problem or brain tumor. The greatest sickness we have is called fallen fever. It's sinitis. It's our sin that separates us for eternity from a holy God. That's why Jesus, when the four men brought the fellow who was a paralytic to him, Jesus' opening statement was, son, your sins are forgiven because that's your dominant problem. And you've got to understand that that's what Jesus has come to do. And these scribes and the Pharisees, they made a huge mistake. They should have humbly gotten off their high horse, walked into Matthew's party, given their life to Jesus. But instead, they turned their back, they walked away, and they perished for eternity in their sin. That's what happened. So don't make that same mistake. Which brings me to the conclusion. 
right now, turn from your sin to your Savior. The Bible says the wage of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And nobody is too good that you don't need Jesus. Nobody is too bad that you can't receive Jesus. Let me tell you a quick true story. So there was a guy named Ed, and he was married to a beautiful woman named Beth. And Ed had a secret passion. He loved to restore cars. Well, he had this little red MG sports car, and he had painted it fire engine red. He had fixed it up perfectly. It was his pride and joy. He covered it every night, washed it three times a week. Well, one day, Beth had her car in the shop, and she needed to run an errand. So she grabbed the key, she jumped in the MG, and she was driving across town to run this errand. And as she was pulling through an intersection, somebody ran a stop sign and smashed into the passenger side of that MG and made it a mangled mess. Oh, she burst into tears. She'd never had a wreck. She didn't know what to do. The police showed up, and they suggested that she needed to get out the insurance papers, which were in the glove box. So she pulls out the insurance papers, and attached to them is this note. Dear Beth, if you are reading this, you have had an accident in my car. Do not worry about the car. It is you that I love, my darling. You see, that's what the Lord's telling you right now. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made, even if you feel like your life has been ruined and wrecked, God is calling you like he called Levi. He is saying, leave everything, follow me, and go all in. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for this picture of your acceptance of Levi. And thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.